Well, good morning, New Life. Good to be with you today. Uh, today, I want to introduce our guest preacher, Josiah Bancroft. Uh, Josiah and his wife of 43 years, Barbara, uh, have been attending New Life for several years, and, and uh, it's just a pleasure to be able to hear from him here this morning. Uh, Josiah has been ordained uh, in the PCA since 1981, where he served in capacities such as uh, church planting. Uh, he served there until he joined the staff of World Harvest Mission, which is now known as Surge, back in 1992. Uh, his current role is the Senior Director of Mission, uh, which essentially means that wherever Surge is looking to carry out their mission, uh, locally and globally, uh, he is the one who gives oversight to that. And so we're excited to hear from him and his uh, mountains of expertise and, and just uh, wrestlings with the gospel. He asked us specifically to uh, pray for him uh, and for Surge as they, as he in particular looks to lead, and they look to lead to bring the, the hope of the gospel during this time of pandemic and now uh, as they walk through uh, the U.S. Uh, racial uh, justice situation that really is impacting their workers worldwide. So, Josiah, thanks for being with us and joining or and bringing the word to us this morning. Good morning, New Life. This is Josiah Bancroft. I'm the Senior Director of Mission at Surge, which is a foreign mission organization and a discipleship organization that was formed of the same church that New Life Dresher came from as a church plant. And so we share common roots. We have many of our people that attend and who have been elders there. Uh, and uh, we have close relationships. I want to thank you for your love and support. Barbara and I come and go. We're not there often, and people still treat us like we belong. We're very grateful. Thank you very much. This morning, uh, I'm going to pick up on Anthony's uh, teaching from 2 Corinthians. I'll be preaching from 2 Corinthians 2, verses 12 through chapter 3, uh, verse 6. And so if you'd like to follow along, uh, bring out your device or your Bible, and I'm going to split this passage into several pieces. Uh, one will be just the transition verses, which are verses uh, 12 and 13, and then the verses on the triumphal procession. Those are verses 14 through the first half of 16. And then there is a pivotal question at the middle of verse 16 that we'll look at, and Paul will answer that in two ways. He will compare himself with some of those super apostles that have opposed him, in Corinth, and then he will give us principles that will help us navigate all the crazy times we're facing uh, these days. So that's the flow. I want to say Anthony has done a great job by uh, outlining this book into three paradoxes. Uh, and the paradox section that we're in right now is a paradox of having a high standing from being made low or humble. Paul has a high spiritual standing that may be invisible to people, even though physically and to outward human eyes, he looks low and uh, and he does carry himself in a humble way. E even with this church, he is very humble. Let me read to you how he thinks of himself with this church, even though he's an apostle of God. In uh, chapter 1, verse 24, uh, one of my favorite verses, verse uh, 
24 says, Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy because you stand firm in your faith. And so Paul is looking to strengthen and to encourage their faith. Uh, for those of you that were heard Anthony speak on comfort from verse uh, from the first chapter, I would also remind you that the word that's translated comfort can be translated encouragement and is often paired with strengthening. And so here Paul moves to talk about the paradox of having a high position with God and uh, living in a lowly and humble place on earth. Um, a great verse to, to explain that comes uh, from 1 John chapter 3. Let me read to you just three verses there. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him, speaking of Christ. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And so here's a, a great section from the letter of John that says, we are now children of God, but what we will be has not yet appeared because Christ hasn't returned. And when he does and we see him and the world sees him, what is spiritual and hidden now will be made plain. And Paul is applying these principles, this paradox, to his own life, to his relationship with the people at Corinth who are struggling to get on board with Paul they found him difficult to navigate. They had all sorts of other voices speaking into their lives. And so Paul is having to explain himself, sort of defend himself, and still stand as a humble person in faith with them. Part of what he did is he sent Titus uh, to see how the church was doing. And then Paul continued his missionary work up to Troas. And we pick up the narrative there. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Uh, Macedonia would be where Corinth was down the way. And Paul said, even though I was having great success discipling, building the church, seeing God's kingdom move forward in Troas, I was so distraught, not knowing how Corinth was doing, not knowing where my brother Titus that I expected to be there, not knowing where he was, that I, I moved on. I, I had to, to go find Titus and to see how the church was doing. By the way, later in chapter 7, he'll update that a bit. So Paul uh, gives this explanation of where he is and what he's doing. This is a transition from the verses before to our main section. And I want you to know that his detractors in Corinth may have heard that and thought, what a loser. He should have just come here directly. Why didn't he just come here with Titus rather than hiving off and 
running up to Troas to do some other work rather than taking care of us. If he's so worried, why didn't he come? And Paul's detractors could have made real use of Paul's honesty here. And I'd like you to note that, that I need to know that, that Paul is not so worried about his missionary reputation that he won't just say what's true in his life. He doesn't try to hide it. Uh, he's honest and forthright, uh, even in the face of criticism. Uh, I, I pray that God will make me, make us more like that. Now, in the next section, there's this tremendous shift where Paul begins talking about a figure, about a picture uh, of an unseen parade, of an unseen triumphal procession that he is part of. And I was trying to come up with some some way to give a, uh, what's a triumphal procession? Well, historically, if a general won and was coming back to see Caesar as Christ won and ascends to God, uh, that general would bring all of his military heroes with him as well as all the captives, uh, and they would uh, be in a large procession celebrating uh, the victory of the general, and here that be celebrating the victory of Christ, and Paul places himself in that parade, in that procession. It's unclear as to whether he thinks of himself as one of the conquering generals under Christ as a lieutenant, or whether he sees himself as a captive, this may made a slave, a joyful slave to Christ, but that doesn't really matter. The, the point is that he's in the parade. I was trying to think of how to, uh, a figure that we might know. Did you know that the Eagles won the Super Bowl? It's amazing. I was so surprised. (laughs) I really was. And do you remember, there was sort of a celebration. And from my vantage, as someone who has lived in Louisiana and in Mobile, where they celebrate Mardi Gras, the celebration looked like a cross between a parade and Mardi Gras. And it was a little bit out of control. There were public speeches made. Some of them actually made sense and were delivered by mostly sober people. Other ones were less intelligible. But regardless, it was a great celebration and the city was uh, riding high for many days. I I hope you remember that. Even as a uh, Philadelphia fan uh, uh, who forgets victories pretty quickly, perhaps. Uh, What a great day that was. Now, I want you to know that Barbara and I, uh, as people who live here, uh, just outside of Philly, uh, we enjoy that with our daughter-in-law, who is an Eagles fan, and it was a great time, and um, my, my heart wasn't fully in it. The reason is that I'm actually a Saints fan, and the Saints came close that year and didn't make it, and I was pretty disappointed that the Saints didn't make it even while I was glad for Sharon and for the Eagles and for Philadelphia. Nick Foles, and uh, what a great story. So, uh, But I had some mixed emotions because uh, when I cheer, it comes out, who dat? Uh, 
Uh, Barbara and I have been Saints fans since we lived there, and that was back with Archie Manning and the Aints and people wearing bags over their heads. So we have really hung in with the Saints and wanted them to win that year. Now, why do I tell that story that way? Let's look at the next verses, and you'll maybe see the parallel. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. Paul has just said something that would might he might be criticized for. That doesn't look like a great strategy for his mission and for his life. And yet, when he says what could be looked at as a failure, he immediately uh, reminds us, thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, in a great victory parade. In Christ, even though it looks odd to the world, Paul says, I am in the parade. I am in the triumphal and joyful procession following Christ. And to some people, he says, uh, that's a, it looks good. To others, it doesn't. Uh, and through us, who leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. That Paul, in this unseen, spiritual, triumphal procession, is being used by God to spread the, the good news of the gospel, to spread the kingship of Christ, his reign from heaven, the kingdom of God, to do evangelism. He is spreading the fragrance that comes out of that great procession uh, around the whole world. Even though Paul looks hesitating and confused, God is at work spreading his gospel through Paul's ministry. And so Paul is trusting that God is leading him even where maybe he doesn't understand how it all works out. He is looking to God and saying that he is being led and through that the fragrance of the knowledge of him spreads everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ. You and I as part of Christ's people, Paul as Christ's servant, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to the one uh, we smell like, a fragrance from death to death, and to the other, a fragrance of life to life. And Paul is saying, depending on your spiritual condition, you look at this parade and you either see death, and it smells terrible, or you see life and the kingdom of God moving forward, because the kingdom of God does not operate by earthly standards. And he's already had this conversation with us and with the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians. Let me read a section to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For since in the knowledge, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preached to save those who believe. God uses something that is foolish to the world, the preaching of the gospel, the sharing of the life and death of Christ to other people. He uses that powerfully to build his kingdom and to change our hearts. And that looks foolish to to people. It looks weak to people. 
But Paul says in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians verse 25, the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Then a little later he says, uh, it is because of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So God has chosen weak and small things as the way he spreads his kingdom, unexpected ways of doing that through the preaching of the gospel, through the hidden work of his spirit. John 3 says, who knows how the spirit moves? You know, the wind goes wherever it will. The spirit of God works like that. It's mysterious is hidden as the spiritual kingdom of God moves forward through the preaching of God's word. And so Paul is using a different figure here in the second Corinthians. He's saying it's like a huge, invisible, spiritual, uh, triumphal procession that you and I are part of and that God uses to spread his fame, not ours, not Paul's, through the whole world. Uh, what a remarkable image. And then Paul in verse uh, uh, 16, the second half, as I said, he asked a pivotal question. Here's that question. Who is sufficient for these things? Now, what he means by that is, when I look at how God works and trying to hold on to this invisible kingdom by faith and to follow God and to maintain a humble position and to sort all this out, who is possibly able to do that? That's another way to translate the word sufficient, able. Who is capable of that? Who is up to that? And Paul's answer that he expects is nobody. Paul is saying, I'm not up to it. He's saying, you're not up to, to sorting out how this spiritual life moves forward and uh, what we're supposed to do all the time and exactly what's happening. It's beyond us. Uh, who is sufficient for that? Uh, he, he expects no one. Now, he, he next begins to compare his uh, credentials or his ministry to those super apostles, those opponents who are in Corinth. And what he, he says is they had letters and are saying, I'm worthless because I didn't show up with letters of recommendation. In the next verses, he said, I don't need a letter of recommendation. There's a church there because God sent me there and by his spirit worked in your hearts and changed your lives. You're the letter. You're the letter where God wrote in your hearts and gathered you together to praise and worship Jesus. So I don't need the recommendation of somebody else, uh, some other letter from another church, another expert to prove uh, that I love you, to prove my worth to you, the Spirit of God has done that by writing life and writing the gospel into your hearts. And what a powerful argument. Uh, uh, letters and recommendation, degrees and reputation on one side, and the power of the Spirit of God changing hearts and lives in Corinth on the other. And Paul says, uh, I may look weak, but there is spiritual power. I may take a humble position but I have been exalted in God's kingdom and in God's eyes as I follow in this great procession in Christ, 
even though I'm not up to it at times, uh, I don't feel up to it. I am still following Christ and through following him and being honest about uh, his power, about his kingdom, uh, preaching the gospel faithfully, God is extending his kingdom. So Paul has this great confidence in God. And that takes us to the next and final section that I, I want to pull application from for us today. Uh, who is sufficient for these things? Paul talks about himself and he talks about letters, but he answers the, the question he raises in chapter 3, verse 4. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And what Paul is saying is, I have confidence because I'm trusting Christ that he is using us and is making us competent spiritually to be representatives of his kingdom, competent, able to walk in the parade, able to, to find our place in that great procession and moving forward. And so Paul has confidence in Christ who takes him to God, who makes him competent, not in himself, but makes him con competent by the Spirit working through him to follow uh, Jesus and follow his kingdom everywhere. And that God uses that to spread his word throughout the world. Uh, what, a remarkable, uh, what a remarkable help to us. Uh, what a remarkable help to me. Uh, I look at the world we're in today. Uh, here I am speaking to people I care about on a video, and we came and see each other because of the pandemic that has uh, overturned our lives and has made things so difficult. Everybody wearing masks, people fighting about whether they ought to wear masks or not, voices saying this is what's going to happen, that's what's going to happen. Uh, I'm struggling to stay in touch with the mission that I lead. Uh, we're doing all that by Zoom. I'm on Zoom like constantly. Uh, I didn't even know what that was in February, and it's been lifeblood of my work for the last uh, months and weeks. Um, what a what a upending time, and, and then the consequences of of all of that uh, in our lives, the financial difficulties that that we face. Uh, the uncertainty about the future, uh, the roller coaster economy that we're in, the separation from friends and family. Uh, I have uh, people who left the U.S. and went to uh, different fields. I can name several. Even as single people arrived, were immediately hustled from the airport into quarantine, have been in quarantine for two weeks, and then are set in their homes without being able to leave. And that's their introduction to their team, to the new world that they are trying to join. That's their reward for leaving home to spread the kingdom of God. 
who is up to that? Who is sufficient for that? And uh, that's just COVID. Uh, we haven't even talked about the unrest, uh, the, the racial unrest that has swept our nation since George Floyd's death and the response to that. And uh, me, you, trying to figure out what is our role in that? How should we, how do we take the gospel into into that fray, into that difficulty? How does grace meet that fray? Uh, you know, it's just beyond me. Uh, I, I can barely sort myself, much less other people. And yet, what does faith say? Faith says, I can be confident even in this before God that he is making us, that he makes us competent, sufficient as ministers of the gospel. Indeed, that's what every one of us is. In the Old Testament, there was a priesthood and there was a nation. At Pentecost, God made all of his people a priesthood, a kingdom of priests and prophets, put his word in their mouth and uses us now, all together, every nation, every tribe, every race, uses us who believe to spread the gospel throughout the world. Uh, that is God's mission, and we are God's missional people, part of that great procession, that victory uh, procession that Christ is leading, that triumphal procession as, as he is leading spiritually. Who's, who is up to finding the way forward, applying the gospel to ourselves and to the world during COVID, during the unrest that... Uh, uh, we all struggle to know how to engage. Who, who is up to that? The answer Paul gives us is no one, uh, except in Christ. We have the promise that God will make us competent as ministers, even when it doesn't look right, even when it doesn't feel like we're exactly where we ought to be, even when we're in Troas, where everybody expects us in Corinth, that God will make us competent ministers of the new covenant of the gospel. And as, as we say these things, the next question is, well, great, uh, what do you do with that? Well, I would say there's several things that you can do, and they may not look directly connected. But the first thing you can do is to rest your heart, soak your heart in the promises, the love, and the gospel of Jesus Christ, his promises to you, and to settle your heart as best you can in that, and to trust him even when you can't do that, that he still is holding on to you, that he will not uh, quench a smoking flax, he will not break a bruised reed, but you hold on to him, and he will hold on to you. And you can know his promises, and they can bring comfort as Paul says in chapter 1, to your heart by the Spirit of God working through his word, through your prayers, through your faith, through your fellowship together with whomever you can, however you can. That, uh, that, that comes first. Uh, settle my heart in the gospel so I know I'm in the parade, so I know the promises of God. Second, I would say, uh, I have said to our folks stuck in place all over the world that God is calling us back to the basics, to the basics of loving those people around you, 
doing the simple things each day faithfully, pursuing God's word, pursuing prayer, doing the work you can do at distance, reaching out to neighbors, serving those that you haven't even met yet, uh, doing the simple things that God has uh, given us to do right around where we are. Make the phone call, encourage someone, uh, do the simple things of love and faith that God has, has called you to do. The third thing I would say is uh, to listen. Uh, to listen. God is shaking the world. He is shaking the earth right now. We are experiencing that shaking as his people, and yet he says he is uh, at work and his kingdom is on the move, even though we're confused and shaken. And so I want to listen for the voice of God, for his leading, to look for his hand and to follow him as best I can when I think there is an open door. Uh, like Paul saw at Troas, to step into that. And if that's not where I'm supposed to stay, that's okay. God will take me to the next place and show me what to do. And so I would say, listen for the leading and the voice of God and step into what he has for you in faith. So uh, that would be my response to what Paul says. And I'd like to close perhaps by reading those verses again because they are encouraging. In second, third, second Corinthians chapter three, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant. And so we don't claim anything is coming from ourselves. But we look to God to lead and guide us in this remarkable, invisible, spiritual procession of victory as you and I wait for the King's return and for all things to be made right. In Christ's name, amen.